0: Welcome into the Magic Weekly Podcast. I'm your host Jake Chapman. It is Thursday, July 30th, and if that date rings a bell, it's because we've been looking forward to it for about the last six weeks. NBA basketball back tonight. You're going to have the Pelicans and the Jazz first off uh, coming up here this evening. We'll have the Lakers and the Clippers as well, and we are just one day away, less than one day away from the Orlando Magic getting back on the floor for keep seating games begin tomorrow, 2:30 tip and. We start off with a big one, the Brooklyn Nets out on Disney property, and of course, you can hear it uh, locally here on FM 96.9 The Game. My guest for today, the voice of the Orlando Magic fan, you see him on Fox Sports Florida, you hear him on WDBO, a longtime friend, colleague, and mentor of mine, he is Scott Inez, and Scott, it's so great to hear your voice, it's great to be talking basketball, how you doing Big Dog? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for
1: inviting me, Jake. It's the highlight of my week, no doubt about that. It's great to be with you,
0: and heck, it's, it's great to be talking Magic Basketball again. Let's go, man. What have you, how have you, let's just start with, with quarantine <laughs> in, in the last four months. Let's go back to March. How does Scott Inez get through um, uh, what, is, what is just an absolutely unprecedented time, top to bottom? Yeah, unique,
1: isn't it? I mean, I, I think we're all, no, no matter how old or young we are, we're all going to look back upon this time and go, how in the world did we do that? Uh, and hopefully we'll do it with a grin because not many people are grinning right now about what's going on, in, and not only in Florida, in the U.S., but in the entire world. So it's it's been, look, it's it's been a challenge like everybody else. Um, for me personally, Jake, my life I don't want to say my my life hasn't changed it certainly has but in terms of going to the office every day in terms of going to work every day clocking in every day I've done that every day since the pandemic started mm. so I think I in a way have a little bit of an advantage over some other people who've who've had to you know to to struggle to put food on the table who have had to uh, stay at home and deal with virtual learning with their kids. Uh, maybe some of the, the the older people, you know, have had to kind of stay home and, and shut themselves in, which has had a profound effect upon some people as well. But, but I, on the other hand, working in the broadcast business and working in news and sports, um, I, I've been fortunate enough to, to grab the lunch pail, put the hard hat on and go to work every day and have some semblance of normality within a rather abnormal circumstance. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, I've, I've kind of tried to be normal during a
0: very unusual situation. No, that's great perspective. And it is interesting that you put it that way. Um, For instance, like right right when the pandemic started, um, I interviewed a lot of our training staff, um, a lot of our high performance staff for a podcast I was doing. And we we spoke with Dr. Joe Corella, who's the team psychologist, Scott. And one of the things he talked about, you know, concerns with both professional athletes and all of us um, as we started to get used to working from home. And all of that is just, you know, especially with an athlete, you're so regimented, you're so routine based that your mental health can really get thrown off when on a day to day basis, you're trying to sort of rebuild um, that routine. And I would think something as simple as leaving your house every day and going to work and clocking in, um, that, can, that can really make a big difference for, just for your mental approach. To all of this, just having that, you know, I know where I'm going to be from ten to four each day, from nine to five each day. Um, that makes a big difference when you're when you're looking forward and you're saying, you know, how am I going to get through the next six months? So I can see how that make a big difference
1: for you. Yeah, no, I I think that that makes a lot of sense, and and I have people close to me, both friends and family members, who quite frankly are not the same people that they were before the pandemic started because. Sure. They've shut themselves in. Now I'm. I don't want to get into a political <laughs> discussion <No. laughs> about shutting yourself in and mask and no mask, but it it has had a profound effect upon people uh, who have kind of shut themselves in. So I I feel fortunate, uh, a because I I've, I've had a job um, during the pandemic and a lot of people have not, and and B I have been active in going to the office every day. So I think I think that doctor is is absolutely
0: right. It does help to have that schedule during such an abnormal time like this. Well, we think about you know signs of, of any sort of a, a return to, to normalcy, and, and you and I both know there's still a lot of work to be done in the country, a lot of work to be done as far as fighting COVID-19 goes. But you know, getting baseball back last week, Scott, it just felt like, okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, we're playing games for real. And, and and of course the story with the Marlins this week, um, that's scary. And, but when you look at what the NBA has been able to do, even to get to this point, Scott, and again, there's still tons of work to be done and everything could go South. Um, very, very quickly. We know how, uh, we've seen how, um, things can change in the blink of an eye with this disease, but, just take a step back, Scott. The undertaking to get mm-hmm. this thing going at Disney, the amount of lawyers involved, the 114-page safety protocol that the league was able to put out, the work that had to be done between Michelle Roberts, head of the union, and Adam Silver, the commissioner, just the fact that we're here is, uh it, it, it's pretty monumental and, and and hard to believe, isn't it? It's one of the most amazing
1: things I've seen in my lifetime when it comes to sports, and, and I know that sounds like rhetoric and that I'm embellishing, but you, you look you look at the, the hoops that they had to jump through. I give the NBA all the credit in the world because I was one of those guys at the beginning of this going, there's no way they're going to be able to do this, and yet and yet here we are in the precipice. Of starting the seeding games at ESPN Wide World of Sports, and again, I like you don't want to jinx myself. I don't, I, I don't want to say they pulled it off yet, uh, because you see what's going on in Major League Baseball right now. But then again, Major League Baseball is not playing in a campus bubble environment. Uh, but what a job the NBA has done in trendsetting yet again in terms of the bubble concept, in, in terms of all the all the details, like you said, 114 pages. The NBA has thought about everything in terms of trying to play basketball during a pandemic. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do, as we know. I still have concerns, quite frankly, about what the NBA may do if, in fact, guys, certain guys, i.e. stars, go down with this virus. But you have to give the commissioner, Adam Silver, all the credit in the world. This guy has had the Midas touch since he took over, starting with the Donald Sterling controversy. He continues to have that golden touch to the point where the NBA has really become a model in terms of owner player cooperation, relationship, in terms of organization. It is amazing. It, it's astounding to me what the league has done to this point. And keep in mind, you know, these plans were made while Florida was a mere blip on the screen in terms of COVID cases. And yeah. now, Now, Jake, you're in a hot spot, and you're still pulling it off. I mean, to have zero positive tests, what was that, about a week ago? What the NBA has done to this point, to this point, has been
0: nothing short of amazing, no question. What about – one thing I keep thinking about, because you're right, like there's – I think you and I are both coming at it from the exact same place. We're cautiously optimistic, which I think is the way that Adam Silver, in fact, um, has phrased it. We're a little anxious and we're a little nervous because, yes, we know – Um, things can go south very quickly. But when I think about the fact that we're not coming up on a couple weeks that these teams have been there, and we're talking about 22 teams, so a lion's share of the league and a lion's share of the players in the league, isn't it pretty impressive that all of the players, or, or a vast majority, we've heard a few stories about, you know, going to get chicken wings from certain establishments or a couple guys, a couple guys missing tests, in which case they, you know, they have to quarantine for a day. um, If if they miss a test and those, you know, that's pretty much probably just guys sleeping in, but it's been pretty impressive, hasn't it? The players buy in um, with all of this. I mean, short of a few instances, you see them wearing the masks and any social media they're doing, these guys are taking it seriously. And when you're talking about, you know, it's, it's not fair, but a lot of times we think a 21-year-old rich kid, um, you know, mm. is going to kind of do what he wants, and it seems like everybody's kind of rowing in the same direction with this thing. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and you think back, and I know
1: you're considerably younger than I am, but I think back to when I was, you know, 20, 21, 24, 25. I, I did some really stupid things back in the day, all right? Um, but. Aww. Yeah, well, not a lot, but um, the point is that we all do some dumb things when we're younger. Uh, and yet, you know, you hear the story about Lou Williams going to Atlanta and the whole thing with the chicken wings and the strip club or whatever. Um, that's, a, that's a 16-year veteran we're talking about here. We're, we're not talking about Markel Fultz. We're not talking about Jonathan Isaac. We're not talking about, you know, Zion Williamson. We're not talking about any of these younger guys doing boneheaded things. So, yeah, as amazing as it has been for the NBA to pull this off to this point, I think it's equally as amazing that you had all that buy-in from these NBA players, especially the younger ones.
0: I've never been so excited for a Jazz Pelicans regular season game in my life, Scott. I don't know about you, but but how how good is it going to feel tonight? Let's just talk about the broadcasting aspect before we get into the basketball, because I want to get your thoughts on that as well. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to catch David and Jeff uh, on Fox Sports Florida or listen to any of our broadcasts, but put yourself in their shoes. What do you think the challenges are from broadcasting from an emptied-out Amway center Um, and, and, and how do you think they've been, we've been able to pull it off so far. And then like, do you have any thoughts on some of the, I guess, zanier ideas that we've seen with the, you know, baseball's doing the cardboard cutouts in the stands. We've got kind of the zoom, um, zoom fan thing happening. On some local broadcast. what have you thought about the way they've been able to pull it off from a broadcasting perspective so far? Again,
1: nothing short of amazing. Um, I the, the one thing that I saw during a baseball game, I think it was over the weekend on Fox. I believe it was the Phili- uh, the uh, the Nationals Yankees game. I don't, I'm not big into the whole you know crowd noise behind the scene thing. Mm. To me, it's just too feigned. It's just it's it's just too fake. It, we all know. There's nobody in the stands, and and why? And, and Fox has done a lot of great innovations in terms of its sports broadcast, but to me, they can lose that because every time they go to a, a sky shot of the stadium, there's nobody in the stands. Everybody knows it. Let's not pretend that there's crowd noise. With that said, I don't mind the fan cutouts. I think it's it's kind of fun, um, and and I think you know we, we've seen. You know, shots of, of different fans and season ticket holders in the stands and baseball and even NBA games. I think that's fun. I think it's enjoyable for the crowd. I think it's enjoyable enjoyable for the players as well. But in terms of our broadcasts uh, with David and Jeff and Dennis and Richie, I, I've heard some of them. I, I, I actually was on vacation last week, um, so I didn't get to uh, to tune into the first game. But the last couple of games I have and. Um, Let me tell you something. We're we're so fortunate to have some of the best broadcasters in the world working for the Orlando Magic because this can't be easy. The only time that I've ever done a quote-unquote remote broadcast was back in the day when I was at UCF and I was interviewing for a job with a broadcast outlet and I had to do play-by-play of a game that went on like a couple of years ago. Um, And it was very, very strange because as a broadcaster, you feed off that crowd, you feed off that atmosphere, you feed off the emotion, Uh, you operate uh, by looking over at, at the bench at times to see what's going on, you get a feel for the game. And with the remote broadcast as a broadcaster, there is no real feel for the game and I'm sure if you ask David Steele or, or or Dennis Newman they would tell you the same thing but in terms of our our magic broadcast man uh those guys have not skipped a beat Dennis and Richie are outstanding on the radio and David and Jeff man I they, you talk about not skipping a beat they the, the game that I saw on on uh a couple of nights ago against the the Denver Nuggets I mean they were on it man they they were and 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 to know, look, it, it's, it's not rocket science, what we do for a living. It's not brain surgery, but it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. And knowing that I've been in the business for 30 plus years, to, to hear those guys pull it off like they did, uh, it, it's just such a credit to those guys and and to Fox Sports Florida and to you guys on the radio as well we we have the best in the business and
0: and that's obvious right now with these abnormal circumstances well I appreciate the kind of words no but it goes back to what we were talking about just sort of the the regiment and the routine somebody like David or Dennis and and I've talked to both of them about it over the last week or two you know you go back and and for 20 and 30 and in some cases 40 years you know, guys like that have been broadcasting games in front of fifteen, twenty thousand 20,000 people. You can't manufacture that energy, and, and you can speak to that as much as anybody can, um, that you get at the top of a broadcast when the place is rocking and, and Paul Porter's getting the fans riled up. And there's no way to manufacture that, right? So it has to come from somewhere. And even Vooch was talking about it um, on the Pod Squad podcast yesterday. He was saying, you know, I, did, I got an and one. I stepped to the free throw line. And you can hear a pin drop in, in this building. And he said, it screwed me up a little bit. Like, I missed the free throw because, I, because the silence was more of a distraction than, you know, some goofball waving something waving a wet noodle or whatever <laughs> um, uh, up, in, up in the stands. And he said that the, the Nuggets game on Monday, they started piping in some of the crowd noise, and it actually helped them a little bit. Um, so, yeah, you know, all these guys, broadcasters, players alike, uh, are creatures of habit, and it's just one more thing that you kind of have to adjust to. What have you thought of the, about the basketball so far? I think we all had this idea that it was just going to be awful sloppy basketball because of what's been going on the last couple months. We figured nobody would be necessarily in in, in game shape, and I'm not sure um, that they are. We'll see how that goes here uh, in the first couple seeding games. I would expect to see probably some soft tissue injuries as guys kind of ramp up um, but the basketballs look pretty good from what I've seen, just sort of generally. And then, and, and then the Magic specifically, um, I think, showed John Monday that if they knock down shots, it's going to look really good uh, over the next couple of weeks. I've been impressed, Jake. I've been impressed. And Again, I haven't watched a, a ton
1: of NBA basketball so far because of my vacation schedule. But I, I did watch uh, the Magic Denver game the other night. Um, and, and look, and, and you just said it, if if this team can knock down shots, I think the big question about this team going into these seeding games, uh, is can this team get back to that defensive mentality under Steve Clifford? It, it's a mentality that Steve Clifford is known for. You look at the numbers and, and look the other night, it, it looked great offensively, man, 30 assists, right? I, I think they had 54 points on three pointers. They were they were really, really balanced offensively. Jonathan Isaac was unbelievable with his, his 13 points and seven rebounds in seven minutes. Um, but, again, if this team is going to go places, they're going to make some noise here in these seeding games and on into the playoffs. Eventually, with no true go-to guy, you're going to have to get back to the type of defense that this team played in the second half of last season. Offense is great. It's wonderful, especially when that ball is moving as crisply around the horn as it was the other night. But, again, offense with this team is, is going to be hit or miss without that true go-to guy. And the way that this team is going to make noise come playoff time, can they get back to that defensive identity uh, that, that they had at the tail end of last year? Because if they do, if they do, And if, and I know you you want to talk about this later on, if Jonathan Isaac can get back to being J.I. and if Markel Fultz can continue to progress, this team could definitely make some
0: noise come playoff time. Do you think that was the big difference, Scott? Because the first half of this year, and granted the team's dealt with injuries all season long, but the first half of this year, what what really kept them afloat was that defense. And it it didn't look like it it was necessarily as – as effective and as locked in as it was second half of last year um, when the team just sort of took off based off their defense. But the D sort of kept them floating around um, the first couple months of this year. J.I. goes down on New Year's Day, and then you, you get into the All-Star break. You come back post-All-Star break. You're somehow the best offensive team in the league uh, over the course <laughs> of about 10, 15 games. It was largely because they were getting up and down and getting easy buckets, letting the defense sort of create offense for them a little bit in transition and they were knocking down shots which is obviously um really sort of the big hump for this team to get over but do you think is there any way to do both what do you think it it was tied in the offense sort of emerges and then the defense takes a step back because you're just playing faster basketball or do you think it was j.i going down or was it a combination of both The, the reason we saw the offense take off but then the defense sort of take a step backwards in the second half of the season
1: yeah, I don't think it's any coincidence that when Jonathan Isaac went down on New Year's Day, that this team's complexion changed. Yeah, and, and I know you noticed it, Jake, the other night when when JI hit the floor against Denver through the television and and I'm sure through the radio. You even though there's no crowd noise there, you could sense the 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 altering of this team, the energy of this team. You could feel the excitement mm. of this team. And it's not just because guys are happy for, for J.I. He's playing basketball again for the first time in nearly eight months. It's the fact that these guys know. They know that Jonathan Isaac adds such a different dimension to this basketball team. So I think J.I. Is the, is the main reason for it. He's one of those guys, as you know, Jake, he lights up a room when he enters it. His his teammates truly love this kid. He's such a great young man. What he does for you on the basketball court, he alone, to me, he alone takes this Magic team from being a good team to a team that can make some noise in a season like this because there are no guarantees in a season like this. It's so unique. There are going to be upsets come playoff time because uh, of how abnormal this season is. But you look at a guy like this – He's such a disruptor. That's the thing about Jonathan Isaac. He can guard all the positions on the court. Uh, he's going to come out of nowhere to block a shot. We all know he's a good rebounder. He's, he's a Swiss Army nice. He's an octopus, arms, legs coming from everywhere. Uh, and his offensive game is coming, as we sh- saw the other night against Denver. So the thing about Jonathan Isaac is he's a disruptor. And that makes opposing teams very, very nervous. So I think as these seeding games go on, I hope, <laughs> I pray that he can stay healthy. I hope his minutes increase every game. I hope we see double-digit minutes possibly against, uh, against Brooklyn uh, on Friday. And, and if, if you see that, if he's healthy, if those minutes increase, he alone, I believe, makes this magic team – a team that you do not want to see come playoff time, no matter if that's Milwaukee
0: or Toronto. How surprised were you that, that that he got cleared? Because I, yeah. you know, once they announced the restart, I thought to myself, "There's no way we're going to see Ji, even the, the original timeline, throw it out the window. I mean, throw everything out the window. We're in the midst of a freaking global pandemic, and guys yeah. have been, you know, uh, uh, have had to stay at home for the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months, I should say." When they, when, because we started to hear hints, like he's doing two-a-days, he's getting close, we've just got to clear him for five-on-five. Five. And I said, you know, maybe they'll bring him back. But as we know, um, the organization, and especially with Jeff Weltman and John Hammond, they, they, they will not rush players back, absolutely, and certainly somebody like Jonathan Isaac, who's such an important part of the future. i got to be honest, Scott, I was shocked when, when we got the news that he was coming back um, on Sunday night. And, but, but I think it's just a testament – to who the kid is. I mean, he, he's been doing two-a-days the entire time. He's just been just been itching to get back on the floor. Um, but, I, but I was blown away that, that he was able to get cleared. Yeah,
1: I was too, uh, even though I was saying on the air for a number of months, this kid is a thoroughbred and thoroughbred's run. That's mm. what they do. And if he is healthy, you play him. But I think we've learned, and you touched on it, I think if we've learned anything from the current brain trust of the Orlando Magic, Jeff Weltman and John Hammond, they're the kings of caution, man. Right. They are, they are the kings of caution. They are over the top when it comes to being cautious about injuries, especially injuries to their two babies. Right. I mean, let, 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 let's tell it like it is. Jonathan Isaac, extremely young, their first ever draft pick. Um, I have ties older than Jonathan Isaac and Mark Elfult put together. <laughs> um, he's also their baby, heisted from Philadelphia, the top overall draft pick. So, you know, I, I – in terms of the Brooklyn game, what's going to happen with their minutes? I can see these guys getting playing time, um, but I would be shocked if they get high into the double digits. Yeah. I, I think those those minutes hopefully will build as the seeding games progress. But you're absolutely right. I was, um, I was a bit surprised knowing the recent history of the Magic Brain Trust dealing with younger players.
0: And, and when you set a precedent like that – you know, not that it matters, but from an outside perspective, I think people can feel comfortable that, that, you know, he's not being rushed back because they know, um, the, the, you know, historically uh, Weltman and Hammond are not going to push, especially Jonathan Isaac or any of the young pieces um, moving forward back too soon. So I think you can be confident. And then I think you're right probably about that. Um, those minutes restrictions early on here in the seating games, it's going to be wild. I mean, I, you know, you look around, and, and, and this sort of feeds into the idea that this thing's going to be a crapshoot because you look at some of these teams. I mean, if Giannis pulls a hammy, Scott, it, mm-hmm. it's over. Like, that's it for them. And when I think about the magic and, and the ability to maybe win a first-round playoff series, um, obviously, you, you know, you've got to take care of your business here in the seeding games. It'd be great to get up to that seven seed if at all possible. You look at what happened with Brooklyn and Washington and their rosters – and certainly it feels like things are breaking in favor of the Magic. But, you know, you look at a, at a Milwaukee, you look at what some of these teams who have so much reliance on one guy, and then you start to think about, you know, God forbid a positive COVID test or a pulled hammy or, you know, a, any sort of a soft, uh, soft tissue injury. You know, I think the Magic are well positioned with the balance they have on roster to be able to do something like that because one guy goes down and, yeah, you know, the, the Magic are going to be in trouble if they lose – uh, Nick Butchevic, but you know if 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 a couple of these guys go down or one of these guys go down, the magic are so balanced and they have that depth. I think they're much better um prepared to be able to 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 move forward than a lot of other teams. No, I think you're absolutely right,
1: and you know don't forget this is a deep magic team as well, so if you have those types of soft tissue injuries pop up, God forbid if you have a covid a uh, positive test or, or two come up, um, you, you're kind of able to to weather the storm. But I think you're absolutely right. I think this is going to be the most unpredictable playoff time in recent NBA history. Because, as you well know, the NBA playoffs are fairly predictable. I mean, you know, if you were to tell me right now that Giannis andetikumbo and the Milwaukee Bucks would be facing LeBron James and the LA Lakers in the NBA Finals, I'd go, okay, yeah, I, I, I see it. I, I can see it happening. Um, but I, I think with, with all the abnormal circumstances uh, factoring into this equation this year, with COVID out there, with, with, with the bubble, with, with, with guys you know, possibly staying at Disney for as long as three to four months... Um, there are going to be some upsets. There are going to be some some surprise teams. Why not the Orlando Magic, especially especially if and when Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz return to their former selves? So um, I, I think, I think w- when you're taking a look at the Magic, your number one goal is to get out of that eighth spot, right? You, you want to get out of that eighth spot uh, to avoid – uh, a possible play-in game with Washington. Right now, what, we're five-and-a-half up on Washington, and Washington has to be within within four games. So, A, you want to clear Washington, and, and B, yet obviously you want to avoid Milwaukee in the first round of the playoffs. You want to steer clear of Giannis. So, in essence, you want Toronto again for the second straight season in the playoffs. And, oh, by the way, people keep forgetting this, the Toronto Raptors are the defending NBA champions, mm. right? Um, and, and yet that kind of goes overlooked now with Kawhi in L.A., but the Toronto Raptors are one of the greatest stories in the NBA this season and what they have done in, in staying within striking distance of the Milwaukee Bucks without Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. So I, I think, look, you, you look at the Raptors, they've been a thorn on our side here lately, uh, but I think the addition of a L. Fultz, and hopefully the advancement of a Jonathan Isaac with J.I. having that playoff experience last season, that's vital for the entire team. I think you know the experience that they got last year in falling to the Raptors in five games was huge. You know that Nikola Vucevic learned an awful lot about himself after he was basically shut down in that series by Mark Gasol. It was Aaron Gordon's first playoff that first playoff is so important for your NBA well-being. It's so important in terms of playoffs in the future and how you're going to react to pressure-packed atmospheres. So, um, look, will it translate into a series win for the Orlando Magic? I don't know, but I, I guarantee you that there are going to be some upsets this year because of that unusual nature of these playoffs. So, as, as the great and, and late Rich DeVos once said, why not us and why not now, right?
0: Absolutely. No, and that's a, that's a good point that I think is being sort of underplayed. Um, you got that win last year. And granted, you know, it was, uh, it was uh, pretty quick work for the Raptors to dispatch for the Magic uh, in the next four games. But that, But that experience has to make a huge difference. And I think it has to be a bit of a confidence boost. When you look at what the Raptors were able to move on and do, and it is crazy when you look at it, they're 46-18 and 18 uh, in the first part of this season. It's been incredible and I think a testament uh, to Nick Nurse and the entire organization um, that they've been able to continue on with at least some semblance of the same success. Yeah, and Jake, real
1: quick, in in my career, I've covered every Orlando Magic team since 1989, and and you mentioned the playoff experience. It's so vital, especially for a young basketball team that has not been there before, and I only go back to 1994. Orlando Magic with Shaquille O'Neal and Eddie Hardaway, uh, Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson, they made the playoffs for the very first time. All those guys were extremely young. They made the playoffs for the first time. They go into a first-round playoff series with the Indiana Pacers, a rough-and-tumble series. Uh, It was only a three-game series, unfortunately, for the Orlando Magic, but every game was close. Every game went right down to the wire. But that young team learned so much Hmm. uh, in those three games facing the Indiana Pacers to where the following year they win their first playoff series against the Boston Celtics. Uh, They go into Chicago and beat – uh, Michael Jordan and the Bulls in six games. And then guess what? They faced that same Indiana Pacer team that swept them out of the playoffs the year before and take them in seven games in what was a great Eastern Conference final series. We all know what happened in the NBA finals. We won't get into that. But I, I've seen it up close with this Magic team uh, that playoff experience matters. And I think you're going to see a different, more mature Magic basketball team
0: as hopefully they enter the playoffs this year. Yeah, and and you think about some of the veterans who have been here and still weren't hadn't had that experience yet, like Vooch and Aaron Gordon. um, You know, for a lot of guys, you get that experience a little bit earlier in your career, and the Magic just hadn't been able to get over the hump um, and put it together um, for the first couple seasons for both of those guys uh, here in Orlando. Let me get you out of here on this. The the X factor. I mean, we've gone through – The roster a little bit but the magic can can sort of elevate to the next level if player x is knocking down shots or if player x is at the top of his game when you look down the magic roster uh who's somebody we're not talking about just yet
1: wow jake i mean this team is a true team um but but i i think I, i think when you take a look at that guy if you will it's going to have to be an Evan Fournier. Mm. Um, and, and Evan, you know, has been known to, to, to come through in the clutch in the past. He, he is one of those types of guys who, who likes the ball in crunch time. So I, I would point to an Evan Fournier. He's going to have to be really good offensively. But, but again, it's, it's not a – we don't have that go-to guy. So right. what you're going to have to see from this Magic team come playoff time, again, is not so much a dude – but dudes um, doing it on both the offensive and defensive end. And I I, I mentioned that earlier. I mean, what they did against Denver the other night in the scrimmage, that's exactly the way you want to play offense if you're the Orlando Magic. Ball moving side to side, 30 assists, well balanced, 54 points off three. You're not going to get that every night. So I guess if I were to answer your question, um, I, I, I I would say team defense. Mm -hmm. I, I, again, Steve Clifford is known for his defensive mentality and and the defense that this team played at the tail end of last year was absolutely outstanding. The offense is going to be hit or miss, but if you can somehow, some way find that defense, and I think Jonathan Isaac's presence has an awful lot to do with this. If you can find that defense that you played at the tail end of last season, you can make life miserable for a lot of teams, including the Toronto Raptors or the Milwaukee Bucks, in the first round of the playoffs.
0: Well, it's going to be a blast. Um, it's, it's so great to hear your voice. It's so great to be talking about actual basketball. Again, it's coming back tonight, 6.30 for the tip, Pelicans-Jazz. You'll have the Clippers and the Lakers afterwards and then the Magic back on the floor tomorrow. Game number one of eight seeding games, the Brooklyn Nets, two thirty for the tip. He's Scott Inez. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. It's at Inez Says. Scotty, thanks. It's so great to hear from you. We'll do it again sometime, okay? Jake, you're the man. Thank you. Good luck with the broadcast. All right. Thanks so much. There he is, Scott Inez. My name is Jake Chapman. Follow me on Twitter as well. It's at Jake Chapman, O-M. Back next week with another edition of the Magic Weekly Podcast. Have a great and a very safe week, everybody.